0: Welcome to Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle. I'm Bobby Osinski, and this is a show all about music, music production, and the music business. My guest this week is Nashville producer and engineer Lidge Shaw. First of all, usually I lead into the podcast with a couple of music stories that I think you'd be interested in, but I'm going to forgo all that today for something that I think is a lot more important. Imagine that it was illegal for you to record anyone except yourself in your home studio. Now, if you're a teacher... Imagine that you weren't allowed to have students over to your house for lessons. Imagine that it was illegal to go to the home of a hairstylist down the street to get your hair cut. There's actually a place where all this is really happening. Believe it or not, that place is Nashville. Yes, the Music City isn't being too kind to music made in home studios these days, thanks to a 10-year-old ordinance that forbids anyone from operating a studio from their homes. Leading the charge to change this law is Liz Shaw, who not only operates a home studio where he makes his living from, but is also the host of the popular Recording Studio Rockstars podcast. Along the way, Lidge has recorded Grammy Award-winning performers such as John Oates, Jack White, Wilco, Adele, and the Zac Brown Band, and the Grammy winner for Best Roots album in 2015 was mixed at his Toybox studio. On a recent Zoom call from his studio in Nashville, Let's tell me the story of what he's been going through for the past five years, battling with the city. Instead of catching us up, go from the beginning. I know it's probably a long, drawn-out story, but I'm shocked at the number of people that aren't aware of what's going on, so best to let
1: them know. If I take it back to the beginning, it all started in 2015, Uh, I had... Built and been running a home studio here in East Nashville for a decade before that. But in 2015, we mixed a record here that was for an artist named Mike Ferris, Shine for All the People. And it was mixed by a buddy of mine, Chad Brown. And uh, it was mixed on my MCI custom built console. And that record ended up receiving a Grammy, which was really exciting. And, um, and I got a little certificate since I was the studio that helped that record come about. And I put it up on the wall and I hung it up uh, proudly and then continued doing some other mixing um, with a couple of different people that month. And all of a sudden, within a month of that, I walked up to the mailbox one day and I had a cease and desist letter in my mailbox from Nashville Metro Codes that said, you have to cease and desist running a commercial recording studio in your residence because Nashville has a pretty strict residential zoning that says, um, you know, even though this is music city and this is a place where, you know, a long standing tradition of people working from home studios has existed. Nashville still has a restrictive code that says if you're zoned as a residence, you could work from home but you're not allowed to actually have a customer come over for anything which doesn't really work for those of us who want to be able to do home recording and have somebody come over and sit in front of a microphone and record you know yeah so that was that was a really devastating shock to me i actually when i started my home studio i had no idea that we weren't allowed to have a home studio because i'd seen so many people doing it i thought it's just you know it was one of the things you could do um so after i was you know spent a week just utterly freaking out then i kind of calmed down a little bit and um, and i ended up talking to uh, anonymously to local press and the, the tennesseean wrote an article about it which made the front page of the the newspaper and that caught some attention which led to a long journey of rather than just sort of laying down and accepting this you know, this this strict limitation from from the city that says, you know, you need to stop, I decided that I was going to actually stand up for my right to be able to work out of my home and, and make music here. Um, and so that, that journey took me to um, meeting the Institute for Justice and the Beacon Center of Tennessee. And both of those are, are nonprofit legal organizations that specialize in economic liberties and property rights, and they actually sought me out because they had read this article, and they said, "Wow, this is exactly the kind of thing that is our charter to go, you know, defend people's rights to be able to make an honest living out of their homes." And so they connected with me, and I spoke to both of them, and then I said, "Hey, you know, um, you guys are saying you think that we have a chance for me to actually uh, fight this thing." And that's great, and and you're both great at what you do, but uh, if you're good at what you do and you're good at what you do and we all want the same thing, why don't we just team up? And so ended up creating, um, you know, teaming up with both the Institute for Justice and the the Beacon Center, and uh, I I like to refer to them as my um, League of Justice (laughs) (laughs) because these guys are really smart, you know, and it's just an incredible team of people that are super dedicated towards – uh, basically, defending our our rights as citizens. Um, so very cool. Um, that started us on a path of, you know, figuring out what it was that we were going to do to uh, fight this thing. And we decided that the best move was to um, to file a lawsuit in defense of my right to be able to work from home. And they actually found another woman named Pat Rayner, who is a retired hairdresser. And she became a, cl- a co-plaintiff in this lawsuit uh, because Nashville not only says, you know, you can't do a home studio, it says you can't do anything to work from home. You can't even like cut hair or, or uh, you know, sell essential oils or whatever you want to do. You know, something, something that's good for the neighborhood, uh, they're saying you can't do it. Um, so the first thing that we had to do to go through that process um, was we actually had to try one thing that the city did allow, which was called the SP rezoning. so it's a specific plan and it says you can apply through this complicated process um, to rezone your individual property as still residential but you can get permission to you know to also operate it as a specific um, you know thing like in my case it would have been it would have been rezoned as residential and uh, home studio. And so we went through this process that took us a full year to go through that process. And, you know, these guys, I'm very lucky because I'm working with these pro bono law firms and they had the funding to be able to pay for this stuff. But I mean, for an individual like me to actually go through that on my own would have cost easily $20,000 or something like that. And a year long process where you apply for it and you have to go and get permission from all your neighbors. And then you go in front of the Metro council and ultimately the council members vote on whether or not they're going to allow this zoning change or not. Uh, And so after a year of doing that, um, basically there were council members that were against it and there were council members that were for it. And then there was a sort of self-appointed neighborhood watch group or something that showed up and they started really forming an opposition. And it's it's really, it's like one guy who's sort of a leader of this group and then, you know, other people that um, come and sort of back him up. And actually I learned a really great word during this process I'd never heard of before, which is called NIMBYs. (laughs) And NIMBYs stands for not in my backyard.
0: Oh yeah. Okay.
1: So it's like it's people that don't even live in my neighborhood that were showing up, and you know, from all the way across Nashville or way out in the outskirts or whatever, just automatically saying, "Hey, you can't do this," you know. Um, so after a year of trying to do that, we actually were not able to pass the SP rezoning because that would have been a the only solution that the city allowed, and and so then our next step was to go ahead and file the lawsuit and just say, you know, we're we're taking the city to court to defend my right to be able to do this, and that the city, you know, the argument was basically that the city was infringing on my constitutional rights by telling me I couldn't uh, do what I needed in my own home. As long as it wasn't bothering anybody and bothering neighbors, you should be able to do what you need and do what you want in your own home. you know. And so um, we went through, I think it was another year or two-year process with that one, and finally went through the court system. It's called the Chancery Court. I told you I'm learning a lot of new words going through this process. Um, We went through the chancery courts, which is the local court. And ultimately it was up to the judge. So it wasn't like what you see on TV with the jury and all that kind of stuff. It was just a judge making a summary judgment, um, on whether or not, you know, the city's argument was something that made sense or whether the, uh, you know, our plaintiff's argument made sense. Um, and so, the Judge ultimately decided, uh, as my lawyers like to say it, that the facts didn't matter because the facts actually showed that um, the city really should not have been telling me I couldn't do what I want because it wasn't bothering anybody. it didn't it didn't actually cause any problems at all for anybody. Um, and the judge voted uh, ruled in favor of the city, and so we lost in the Chancery Court. and then the next step was to file an appeal and take it to the state appellate court. So we took it up to the Tennessee level and we're in that process now of going through an appeal process at the state level. Um, And that will go in front of, uh, you know, the state appellate court, which uh, I guess is our, our state level Supreme court, I suppose. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and ultimately, in fact, if it went, if it didn't succeed in the state court, and it could go to the Supreme Court. It, it's possible that it could end up in, in Washington, D.C. if it went that far. Wow. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Okay, so the appellate court, uh, we've, we filed for that, that uh, appeal, and we were in that process. And then right around in late in the fall of 2019, I heard that one of the council members had sponsored a new bill to try and legalize home businesses in Nashville. So there's a new bill, BL 2019-48. Talk about memorizing numbers for the studio. Yeah. And um, and the council member's name is Dave Rosenberg, and he's a really stand-up guy and um, just a real visionary. And so he put forward this bill that was going to change the zoning ordinance, uh, just make amendments to it as it stands now, and include language that says, look... Let's, let's allow a reasonable number of customers to come to a home during the day and let's, you know, let's put in some wording to make everybody feel comfortable about parking and all that kind of stuff. Just real basic things. Uh, you know, other, uh, well, let's also exclude some businesses that would be like pretty obvious, like you don't necessarily want a junkyard right next to you. Yeah. Even though when I bought my house here in 2000, my neighbor did actually run a junkyard <laughs> for the city right next door to me <laughs> for 10 years. Um, so, you know, just some, some basic stuff that really makes very sensible language. And, um, and so that bill came along, and then I, I realized, wow, this is an opportunity for us to sort of shift gears right now and focus on seeing if, you know, why go the long haul if we can just get involved in helping to pass this new legislation and solve this for everybody? Because one thing about going through the, um, the lawsuit process is it was a solution, but it was only going to be a solution for me. You know, with the ultimate goal of it would have winning the lawsuit would allow me to just say, um, "Sorry, city, looks like you don't have any standing to tell me I can't do what I need to do." So, take a hike. <laughs> uh, but it would have been the first step in a longer process of hoping that it set, a, you know, help set a precedent so that maybe law could be changed and allow everybody to work from home. So here was this bill that just came along. It was like a gift. You know, it was like, "Hey." looks like we got a shot at doing this thing now. Um, and just to set some more um, context, the last time a bill came along that was attempting to actually change the law and legalize home studios in Nashville, it was I think it was actually called the home studio bill, and it was a decade ago. Am I saying that right? Is that right? I think it was about 2011, I think. And that was that sort of came and, and caught some attention but then disappeared from the uh, the Metro Council um, and, and failed ultimately and that was uh, I said I didn't know anything about not being allowed to do a home studio but that was the first time that uh, that I heard about that and it was about it was about five years after I had actually started my home studio and everything so here we are a decade later um, you know it, it Not to confuse it, but at this point, it's been 15 years since I started my studio. So 10 years of running the studio, five years now of actually fighting this battle. So here we are a decade later, and this new home business bill has arrived. And I thought, wow, I need to really get behind this thing and see if we can help push it forward. And so one of the first thoughts I had was like, well, let's just make everybody aware of this somehow, and let's find out, you know, like does anybody care? You know, does anybody really want there to be a change? And do we want to legalize home studios in Nashville? Um, In fact, back before I even filed the lawsuit, one of the first things I did was just host a couple of home studio meetups here at my studio and asked, you know, a smaller group of people that I knew here, you know, like, Hey, come meet, let's talk about this. You know, do you guys want me to do anything or would you like me to just shut up and, you know, put my tail between my legs? Cause I respect all my neighbors and all the people I know that, that are here making music, and I wasn't going to go stir up, you know, stir the pot if people told me, hey, don't do not do it, you know. But everybody unanimously said, yeah, go, we need to change this. So um, in support of this bill, I started looking around at, at the idea of creating a petition. And I'd never done it before. I never did not know anything about petitions, but I've certainly seen them, you know, come across my Facebook and everything. I think we all have. Uh, we've seen a lot of them lately. And so I did a little little research, found out that there was a place called Change.org, and they were pretty well known, and that seemed to be the one to use. So I was just like, "All right, I'll try it out." You know, a little bit scary because, you know, as uh, Bobby, as you and I know, um, sort of running podcasts and and online businesses and all that stuff. There's so many moving parts on the internet that the first time you use it, you're like how's this going to work? Am I going to just like, you know, send out a giant message to everybody and the entire thing's broken. So I was a little worried about jumping into the petition thing and trying to make sure that I understood it, but I got it going and I've sort of carefully told the story of, of um, having my home studio shut down. And I, I petitioned everybody to say, Hey, you know, please sign this to show your support for, for uh, our right to save home studios in music city. And so the um, the name of the petition is you know save home studios and that's the, and I created a website for that as well. And I and you know and also like everybody's signature is in support of this bill saying like you know metro council it's a the petition is a message to the metro, the Nashville Metro Council saying please vote yes on BL twenty nineteen forty eight to save home studios in Music City in Music City and other home businesses. So I, I put this in together. This was back in January, and I, it was, I remember it was a Sunday evening, and I you know, carefully did the wording, and I was like, all right, and um, as with things like this, you kind of have to f- hit the go button, and when you hit the go button, it's now live, and it just goes out to the world, you know, and so that I did that before dinner, and then I went up. I'm, I'm a single dad here living in my home in East Nashville with my home studio in the back. Went up to the house to go have dinner with my daughter you know, we're having dinner. And then about 45 minutes later, I look at my phone and I think we had a hundred signatures on it already. And I was Mm. like, Whoa, you know, that's when you start something like that, it's kind of amazing. You're like, wow, a hundred people have already signed this thing. That's incredible. Well, it went a lot higher than a (laughs) hundred. So it went uh, pretty quickly up to, you know, 10,000, 15,000 and just kept going. And by the time we had actually brought the bill to the Metro Council for some of the public hearings. It had already reached 110,000 signatures. Um, this is back in March. March 5th was the date that we had the last, um, you know, just before quarantine, we had the last public hearing where I was able to get a bunch of people to come out to the Metro Council meeting and speak at the public hearing it's all sort of complicated here, but you have these, what they call readings of the bill. And so it's like a multiple visits to the council to vote on it. And that was the second reading. Um, And at that one, we had this incredible uh, turnout of support. You know, the entire music community came out and they filled the the pews in the back of the Metro Council and people got up and spoke and they were, you know, from young to old, people were talking about uh, everything from, you know, I'm, I just graduated from college, and this is, I need to make a living making music. How am I going to do it if you won't let me work in my home studio? And maybe I've just got a laptop and a microphone, and somebody needs to come over and sing on it, but you're telling me I can't do that, to um, people who got up and you were, were teaching English. Um, it was really a moving moment, but my 14-year-old daughter, without telling me she was going to do it, she wrote, a statement and then got up and spoke at the Metro Council too. And it was incredible. So I'll share a link with that for you Mm, soon so that people can see it. Um, But I I decided at that point, um, because I'd already spoken a couple of times on the way to this um, at some of the previous meetings, but this was sort of an important one. So I thought um, we really need to show the Metro Council what this is all about. And I teamed up with a um, very well-known songwriter here in Nashville, a guy named Tommy Womack who's also a great author, wrote an incredible book called the The cheese chronicles years ago about his band um, touring the country and stuff. And um, we, we co-wrote the song called we need to work from home. And so I, I I made sure I was last in our line of supporters. So I was like the closing act and I sang a song to the Metro council and the entire place did a sing along. And the the message was simple. Like we need to work from home. uh, You know, and we need customers to make a living. And I and I had printed out comments from all these signatories on the, the the petition and you know plunked this heavy stack of papers down on the podium and gave it to the metro council and they pushed the you know the final vote was scheduled for a month later uh, but we've gotten into quarantine and that sort of delayed things so now we're still waiting on the final vote from the council And uh, just this week, there was another council meeting, where the Metro Council now has to sort of meet hybrid, uh, partly online. I think most of them are actually Zoom, you know, coming in on a. I don't think they use Zoom, but it's like a Zoom call. Mm -hmm. And some of them are there in the chambers, and um, and they have a meeting, and the meetings are long now. They're taking this council is having to spend all night. We started at six p.m. at the last meeting, and at four thirty in the morning after they had discussed all these other things, it was time for them to vote on the third reading of our bill. And they all looked at each other and, you know, somebody moved to adjourn the meeting and just like push everything back to the next one.
0: Yeah,
1: We didn't actually get it voted on this time, but uh, it's pushed back to uh, July 7th and hopefully it'll be on the agenda there. And uh, at this point I just looked at the petition and there's now over 156,000 Signatures on it now
0: are these people just from the Nashville area, or is it from everywhere
1: so it's from everywhere, so it's a petition on the internet, but what I was able to do is we were able to download all the signatures where people say where they're from mm-hmm. and then we just use the uh we just used some fancy coding and Google Docs and you can extract a complete list of everybody who's right here in Davidson county and I, I need to do it again now when it's um with all these additional signatures but back in march it was like over 5000 people from right here in davidson county that had signed this thing but you know the th- the, the thing is too i mean you've got a lot of people that are signing this cuz they just think it's absurd you know cuz we we hold a lot more responsibility than just for the residents of davidson county i mean we are considered music city we have a responsibility to the entire world to keep keep producing music and that music that the world hears, because it kind of reaches that high-profile status, it all starts with a seed, you know, in a, in a garden that has to be carefully tended. And that garden is the home studio right here in, in uh, you know, the homes all across Nashville and, and everywhere. And people need a safe place to be able to get together, write a song, work on it very affordably, um, and be able to grow. The songs and the artistry to the point where it becomes sort of high profile and commercialized
0: when was this law prohibiting home studios and working from home in general when
1: was it first implemented so it appeared on the books in 1998 and i moved to nashville in 1991 did recording school graduated and started working in studios and all through that decade of the '90s, that was before I bought a home, and that's when I was, you know, looking up to people who were making records. And again, I, I was invited to multiple home studios to see professional records being made on many different levels. And it was also the the decade of the introduction. I mean, home studios have been around. I mean, you know, home studios have been around for a long time, but the real Introduction of home studios on that on that uh, ubiquitous level happened in the '90s with things like the ADATS and um and and the you know those cassette format tape decks and then ultimately Pro Tools and computer recording over the next twenty years. What was the reason for it, though? Nobody knows. I haven't gotten a straight answer out of anybody. I think it was sort of um, I think it kind of snuck in there because I haven't run into much of anybody. That remember specifically that happening. But I will tell you one thing. 98, when they passed the law, I never heard anything about it. I never heard anybody discussing anything about it. And I was busy working my my butt off, traveling in studios, earning an income so that I could buy a house in 2000, which I did, so I could put a home studio in it. Even my, my realtor, he, he specifically sought out homes that might have a garage in the back that would look like it might be good to put a studio in one day, you know. He didn't even know about it.
0: <laughs> now, I know what happened here because we had a similar thing that happened in the late 80s, I want to say. What started everything was there is a studio called Secret Sound, and it was a full-on 24-track studio with an SSL and everything. So this was just a little before the ADAT revolution. Yeah. And what actually got him in the hot water, um, Chaz Sanford was the guy's name. It wasn't so secret, was it? Well, it wasn't after he started to advertise. That was the big problem. He started advertising like Music Connection, and then he would send out flyers, and he would put them on the doorstep of Hollywood Studios. So when people <laughs> right. were coming in, so obviously there was a big revolt that happened with the existing studios. So what you had was commercial studios against the home studios at that point. Now it basically fizzled over the years and they managed to get Chas to leave. I think he moved to Nashville actually, but it was that, and there was a noise issue. And again, it was because as you remember in those days, or maybe don't, people tend to work late. It started, you know, four in the afternoon, they work all night. And when you're leaving, you know you get a, a group of people that are kind of jacked up from recording. They're leaving at five o'clock or four o'clock in the morning and, and all of a sudden, there's all sorts of noise that was happening. And so the neighbors were complaining. So a lot of that happened there. But it never got to the point where it became a law. It got to the point where people were cognizant about it. So studios would put signs up. I, I recorded a lot in home studios that were kind of big in those days like yours, console, tape machines, the whole thing. And there'd be signs up everywhere. Be kind to our neighbors. Be quiet when you leave. And that mitigated most of the problems. And if something, if someone complained, they came down on us right away. So, you know, Los Angeles did go through something like that, but this is another level completely. And this was only on a studio level. It wasn't on, on anybody else that was working from home. And like you say, poor hairdressers and... Aromatherapists and massage therapists and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a nice old lady and you just want to teach piano to the kids in the neighborhood and have them come over, because it's kind of hard to carry your piano over to their house. Yeah, you know, you, the the city says you can't do it.
0: Now, again, they're probably not actively going after everybody. I would think, right?
1: Well, you know, that's that's a good question. And so, I think it was beginning of twenty nineteen or twenty eighteen, right after we filed the lawsuit. January and February I I got calls from like four other home studios around Nashville that all got shut down in that time. Mm. And I and I regularly, I mean not it's not all the time, but I continue to get contacted by people who are going through some version of this. So I think what it is unfortunately is it's not everybody that gets shut down but it's some of us and it's not for, it's not, you know, in my case, it's, it has nothing to do with uh, being a bad neighbor. I mean, I'm a great neighbor. In fact, when I applied for the SP rezoning, I had to go around knocking on all my neighbor's doors and I had 40 signatures from my immediate neighbors and seven handwritten letters to the Metro council, all saying, doesn't bother us a bit. It is a good neighbor. Go ahead. We're fine with it. And it turns out that the uh, the complaint which when the codes will pursue complaints here in nashville but the complaints themselves are filed anonymously through a web form and the way that we found out who um, allegedly filed the complaint was my lawyers were on tv for a call-in tv show uh, years after you know a couple of years after this whole thing started and they're on tv and they're just saying hey hey nashville call in here's what's going in here's what's going on call in with your questions and we'll answer them and one guy called in and he's like he's like hey my name's well i won't call him out uh i don't really know who he is but i know his first name he said uh you know my name's so and so and i uh, i'm the one who filed the complaint and we were all like whoa you know really but I'm saying, whoa, from watching the TV because I wasn't on the TV.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And,
1: uh, and so, so then they're talking to him, and he starts to explain it, and he says, well, I, you know, I just wanted to do a computer repair business. I do computer repair, and I, I got, my, uh, got my LLC, and I got my business license, and, and then I called codes to come on down and do an inspection. And they said, they said well, you can't work out of your home. You can't do this here. And he said, well, I got really frustrated. You know, he said, I, I got frustrated. And I, so I started researching other home businesses in the area. And um, and I filed a complaint. And then he also said in the same breath, he was like, I mean, I don't have nothing against the guy or nothing like that, you know. So I don't, you know, he, he might have literally thrown me under the bus and just had no idea he was throwing me under the bus. I don't know.
0: But that doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's contradictory to his argument that he would do that.
1: Yeah, I I. I mean, I I can't really defend the guy.
0: If you're looking for a means to the end, that's not it. <laughs> no, that's not
1: it at all. It's kind of a dumb move. But um, anyway, that did it. And the, the, the only reason he even knew I existed is because he just found me on the internet, you know, like saw me on Google Maps probably. And the only reason I was on Google Maps is because when somebody was coming over to the studio, I needed to let him know how to get here.
0: Yeah. Didn't you say that you posted something on YouTube and you thought that that might be the thing off? no
1: out? no I don't think he f- I mean he had he done more research I'm not easy I'm not hard to find on the internet so he might have seen my YouTube videos but l- before that time, I had been starting uh, as part of a promotional effort and I know that you are a big um, you know uh, encourager of using social media and promoting yourself and everything. And what I saw as a great way to do that back then was to participate in this kind of create videos of live recordings in the studio and share those. Um, it was a great, it was a lot of fun. I did it with um, local artists here. I'd just invite, um, you know, some bands to come in and we'd, we'd hang out. It'd just be like a casual party, um, you know, not, not bothering anybody again. And a band, one band would perform and then we'd all use our iPhones and everybody would video, and then I'd take all and I'd mix it live through the the um, MCI console, and then I'd take that and put it together with the video later, and I'd release uh, two videos. I think I released two videos a week for a year, so it was like a whatever we did, a hundred videos out on this, and I called it Stereo Sessions, and it was just a really fun thing to do with with these bands, and it was a great way to help promote. The studio just naturally and it was also a great way to help all these artists so these the bands would say you know we're trying to book more gigs what they really want to see is they want to see a great sounding video of us performing live so they know what we look like and sound like yeah so i did that and when the city code sent me the cease and desist um, a month after i got the letter i got a call from the codes inspector um, nice old lady. Hmm. <laughs> so, sort of like, it felt like a nice old teacher who was scolding me on the phone, you know. Mm. So she was like, "Are you ready to inspect uh, to schedule an inspection?" And I was like, um, "Inspection? What do you mean?" She's like, "Well, we come, we walk through, and we verify that you remo- removed all recording equipment from the premises." And I was like, "I was like, good, good lord, no, <laughs> I can't do that. This is my home, you know. Where am I going to put it?" And so, um, so we talked about it for a minute and I was like, look, I'm I'm trying to be in compliance with whatever you need. Just tell me, you know? Um, And, and so that involved, she, you know, she pulls up a video and she's like, I I can see you've, you're recording a band last night. I don't believe you, you know? And I was like, no, ma'am, that video was recorded long before the, you know, you sent me the letter and it was scheduled to release on YouTube. She didn't even understand how the internet worked, you know, in that respect. Uh, um so she made me shut down my YouTube channel and the stereo sessions that I was doing. She could do that? Yeah. I mean she told me to. I was just trying to be in compliance of things. I mean, yeah, I, let's put it this way when the city when you're a single dad, you're living here uh in your home and you're trying to make a living, um, doing this the home studio thing, and the city comes down on you, my first thought was not to pick a fight with them. Yeah. My first thought was you know, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. What can I do? I'm a good guy. I'm just trying to um, survive here. So uh, I'm a home studio. You know, what do you need me to do? I just don't want to get, I didn't want to get in trouble. I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't know if they're going to, you know, do some crazy stuff. Um, You know, some gigantic fine or, or, you know, haul me off to jail in front of my my daughter or something like that. Um, So I was just agreeing to everything and the, and she had me change, uh, you know, I, I changed the wording on my website. I took down anything that looked like I was for hire um, or anything that looked like an invitation to for a, somebody to come to my studio. And I just reworded everything, said, this is my home studio. This is what I do here, you know. Mm. And um, and then she called back a little later to it. She said, all right, I spoke to the, uh, the um, supervisor, and he said, you don't have to remove all your equipment. But if we get another complaint about you recording anybody other than yourself, and that includes podcasting, she said, because she had seen that I mentioned podcasting on the website, we will immediately file a warrant and take you to court. Even a podcast? Yeah, it's crazy. So, you know, and again, I'm just an individual. I'm just by myself. I didn't have money to go, you know, plunk down a bunch of money on some powerful lawyer or anything like that. So, you know, what are you going to do when when the law comes and says all this stuff to you?
0: Sure. Wow. Well, you've come a long way since then. Yeah. I'd say that you've come a lot farther than most people would. So congratulations. It's pretty good. Yeah,
1: thank you. I, I feel incredibly privileged to be able to fight this battle. And um, I think that I am an individual that that happened to be able to be able to do this thing and therefore, I have an obligation to do it and see it through. You know,
0: What can people do to help you?
1: Uh, well, so a great thing to do is go to savehomestudios.com. That's the website that I have. And there you will find a link directly to the petition. Um, if you just typed in the word Save Home Studios petition, it's going to be the first thing that pops up on, on Google as well. Um, if you go there and sign that petition and share it, uh, you don't need to donate money. Um, it's That money doesn't go to anybody. It's just like boosting a post on Facebook with those change.org petitions, um, unless you want to and you just want more people to see the petition. Um, sign that. Um, and then if you're anywhere here in Davidson County, uh, there is a one-click email that you can send that will reach the council members and it will go directly to your council uh, district council member as well asking them to vote yes on BL 2019-48. And the link to that website is um, put up by David Rosenberg, the sponsor, and it's ballotsnashville.org. And then if you scroll down the page, it explains the entire law and the new bill. A little bit long, so just scroll right to the bottom of the page and there's a uh, email form right there and you just put your name in, your address, add a couple of words if you want to, click send, it goes straight to the council. And the thing about these council meetings that is so challenging is as every time they have a meeting, I mean, I'm just going to come right out and say it, the bad guys show up that are telling us all, you can't do this. You can't work from your home studios. Oh my God, the neighborhood's going to go to uh, to hell in a handbasket if, if people are making music in their homes, which is absurd because we've been doing it all along.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right.
1: That means that we have to show up at these things. We have to make our voice heard every time so that the Metro Council is reminded that um, we are a big majority of people that are important to Nashville and we want them to vote this bill through and we want to be able to work from our homes. And it means that for me, every time the Metro Council has a meeting, I have to spin up the machine (laughs) to let everybody know, um, you know, I, we had I think a thousand emails sent in to the council. Uh, one of the recent ones, and somehow or other, every time there it's coming up for a vote, we got to all band together and try and get a thousand emails sent in. So to everybody who's listening, who's here, if even if you're not in Davidson County, if you know anybody that is in Nashville, send them the link to that, and uh, you can send them the link straight to Balance. Nashville.org because that really explains what needs to happen right this second with the bill. And hopefully we'll save home studios in Music City pretty soon.
0: In order to sign a petition for Save Home Studios in Nashville, go to savehomestudios.com. Savehomestudios, all one word.com. If you live in Nashville, you can take it one step further by going to balancenashville.org. That's balancenashville.org. Thanks for listening and being in my inner circle. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyowinnercircle.com. To listen to the episodes of Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle, go to bobbyowassinski.com, select the podcast tab, or go to bobbyowinnercircle.com, or you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Mixcloud, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, TuneIn Radio, Radio Public, and Podbean. At bobbyowassinski.com and bobbyowinnercircle.com, You'll also find a sign form for my newsletter and for alerts for new podcasts. This is Bobby Osinski. I will see you next time.